He did tell me how long sometimes, but he never told me what to preach. He gave me great liberty, and I appreciate that. Uh, you don't get that everywhere you go, so thanks for giving me your pulpit, and thanks that I've had the opportunity to work with some of God's choicest servants here. I really appreciate that. But we never know what a day holds. I may preach again here, but right now, this possibly could be the last time. And um, so, anyway, I wanted to preach a message called The Will of God. And if your Bibles are open to uh, Mark chapter 3, uh, you'll know that Jesus in this chapter has ordained his 12 disciples. And then, uh, then he gets into a little scuffle with the scribes who'd say that he was casting out demons by the prince of demons or the prince of devils, Beelzebub. And uh, they commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is unforgivable. And then Jesus has the multitude around him and uh, the multitude of people, and they start saying to him that uh, your mother and your, your brethren and your sisters are here and uh, to acknowledge them. And in verse 33, he says, Who is my mother or my brethren? And uh, he looked around them, and that's when he says in verse 34, Behold my mother and brethren, and my brethren. And then in verse 35 is the text verse I want to use. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. And I thought about the fact that there was a multitude of people there. And even this morning, there's a multitude really of people here. But in order to have a closeness with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to do the will of God. So I, I've prepared a bit of a message on, on the will of God, but I was looking for a verse. What verse did I want to use? Because there's a lot of verses about the will of God in the Bible. And I came to this one and I thought, wow, the, the idea is that whosoever does the will of God, that's the one that can draw close, closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people here this morning, and you know why you're here, you know why you came, but in order to draw closer to your Lord Jesus Christ, we have to do the will of God. It's not enough to know the will of God. And even though that's not mentioned in the verse, Jesus would never ask them to do something that they couldn't have done. And that is to know the will of God and what He requires for us in our lives. And then He says, once you do the will of God, guess what? You have the results of that. And that is a closeness with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about doing someone else's bidding that draws the two closer together. Uh, it, you know, when Jesus says to do something and you do it, you're drawn closer together. Closer and closer to the Lord. So Jesus tells His followers that doing the will of God brings them into a closer relationship, like even His family. That close you can be to the Lord. Now the most, one of the most asked questions I got, even on deputation, when I went around to a lot of churches, and even on furlough, when I went back in 2013, I was talking to Pastor Craig about this the other day. I would get a lot of questions like, how can I know the will of God for my life? And what is the will of God? And how can I know the will of God? Most of it came from teenagers and young people who wanted to maybe go to the mission field. And uh, I'm I told them the same thing that I'm going to tell you. And that is that the answer is right in your lap. You can know the will of God because you have a Bible that's on your lap in front of you. The Bible reveals the will of God not only for all of us, but for each one of us individually. God has His purpose and calling for your life in this book. You won't find it anywhere else. 
You'll find it in this book, and the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to tell you what He wants to do, particularly with your life. Now, what you do with that knowledge is most important. Because God's will is God's desire for you. It's what He wants for you. It's His goal in life for you. That's His will. He wants to lead the yielded Christian to into His perfect will. And uh, so you have to ask yourself, God is never at fault. If we're not in the will of God, it's our fault. God wants to lead us there to the perfect uh, will of God. And uh, you have to ask yourself this question, am I leadable? When, as God leads me, am I going to be a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? As I said, all over the world, there's churches that are having their meetings and Bible, good Bible preaching churches, but there's people there that aren't real true followers. They're there. And they're part of the multitude, but they're not doing the will of God. And we all have to take a good look at our life because the thing that got me was this little phrase, the will of God. The will of God. And it's used some 23 times in the Bible. You'll find this phrase, the will of God. And uh, it's all in the New Testament. And I wondered why. Uh, Not to get too intricate about it. In the Old Testament, it may be said a different way. Um, but when I wanted to look up the, the, the phrase, the will of God, it occurred 23 times, and it was always in the New Testament. And I just asked myself why that is. And then I went back to the text and thought it's about how close we can be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I not following that in the Old Why am I not seeing that in the Old Testament? Because in the Old Testament, it was obey the law. It was cut and dry. And uh, if you want to know God's will, well, it's the Mosaic law. You follow the law to the letter, and uh, that was the necessity for the Jew. And uh, it wasn't real personal. Now, God loved them just the way God loves us today. But it seems that we can sense God's love more today because we do things not because we have to, but because we want to. And we want to show our love toward Him. But in the Old Testament, it was cut and dry. You brought your sacrifice... And uh, the lamb was slain, and and that was the atonement for your sins. But in the New Testament, we can know God's will, we can know God's commands and and be obedient to that, and we can do that because we love Him. If If you're obeying the Lord Jesus Christ today, it's probably because you love Him, and you want to show Him how much you are thankful for what He's done in your life. And the difference in the New Testament is that we don't bring a sacrifice to God. He is the sacrifice. Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. And I just saw that there was a closeness and a nearness in the New Testament to this phrase, the will of God. If you want to draw close to God, you need to do the will of God. You need to obey Him just like we all need to do. So doing the will of God reveals the heart, doesn't it? Which in turn reveals our relationship with God. You know how close you are to God. You know how far away you may be from God. And I also know how my relationship with Jesus Christ. As important as knowing the will of God in our head, it's knowing and doing the will of God from our heart. That really shows our love toward Him. In John chapter 14, verse 15, uh, the Bible says, If you love me, do my will. Well, it actually says, If you love me, keep my commandments. But it's the same thing. If you love me, why will you not obey me? And draw closer to me. And uh, so we saw that in the text verse of Mark 3.35. So since the will of God, it's not a mystery. 
It's not something God's trying to hide. When people ask, how can I know the will of God? Go into your Bible. Read your Bible. Obey your Bible. Pray. Ask God to show you, and He will. God is not withholding anything from any of us. So I thought of seven things that are the will of God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one, but I thought, you want to know the will of God? Well, one of the things is, obviously, that God loves me. God loves me. That's the will of God that I love Him, right? That's the will of God. Well, I didn't include that. I included some others. But I mean, what I'm saying is there's hundreds of things that are the will of God. But I chose these. And the first one is to stay clean. The first thing that God that I wanted to, wanted to impart to you today is the fact that God, the will of God is that we would stay clean. And that we would see it as a personal responsibility to keep our body, our vessel, clean so that God can use us. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in verse 18. The Bible says this, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the first thing I wanted you to see was that it's a personal, responsi personal responsibility for us to keep ourselves away from sin. The world is getting dirtier and dirtier and filthier every day, isn't it? And sexual filth is easier to look at. And those that are partaking in it are getting younger and younger. Now look, there's a whole lot we could say about that, but it's just a shame that Christians today are falling into the same category and allowing themselves to dirty the vessel that God wants to pour His Holy Spirit into. Each one of us needs to realize that the Bible says to flee fornication. It is the will of God. I'll show you that in the next verse. But it is the will of God that we keep ourselves from sexual sins. Flee fornication. That means flee any sexual immorality. And it's running rampant through God's church today, through the body of Christ. The body that we have is not ours. We are to serve God in this vessel. And it's not ours. He bought it with His precious blood. And when we sin against God with our body, we are sinning against our own bodies. Now look with me, if you would, at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And in verse 2 it says this, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So there we're reading about sexual purity and, and holiness and that the body is a temple. And it is to be clean and holy so that God can use us the way He wants. Verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So it's not my will. It's not the pastor's will. It's God's will that each one of us report to Him every day and say, I'm doing my best. I'm doing what, I'm, what I should to keep my vessel clean and away from sexual impurity. 
Obviously, the vessel is our physical body. It's God's. He bought it with a price. No one is exempt from falling into sexual sin. It's destroyed ministries. It's destroyed marriages. And we need to stay as far from it the way the Bible tells us to flee fornication. Run from it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 and in verse 1 says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves, equip yourselves, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to what? The will of God. How are we going to do the will of God unless we deny the flesh? Jesus suffered in the flesh on the cross, but He also was in all points tempted, but without sin. So He denied His flesh, what His flesh wanted, just like our flesh wants. And we need to have that same mind that I want to do God's will. I don't want to be tied to the lusts of men and the lusts of my own flesh. It's enduring hardship not to walk after the flesh. You know, it may not be easy to deny the flesh. It isn't but it's the best way to stay away from sin when we start denying the flesh. So, Jesus suffered in the flesh because it was the will of God. And it's the will of God for us too. And we need the same mind that He has in ourselves so that we can be clean vessels. The will of God is that we stay clean. The will of God also is that we be thankful. Is that we be thankful people. I have told the church in McCroom with uh, many times that the two, one of the two most wonderful words that I, can, I think we can hear spoken is thank you. Uh, when you do something for someone and they say thank you, it's payment enough, isn't it? It's like, you, that, that's enough for me because you're acknowledging uh, back to me you know, or acknowledging to whoever that you've helped them. And uh, well, you can save somebody's life. And if you just hear thank you, that's enough. Uh, those are two wonderful words. But thankfulness is a matter of the heart. To just say thank you without having thankfulness, they ring hollow. And uh, so thankfulness is really, it's a heart matter. Now I want you to turn to first back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we'll see that it's the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know it's God's will for His children to be thankful? It's God's will for each Christian, each believer, to be thankful for not only what they have from God, but what, what other people give them and, and do for them. We should just have an attitude, as it says, of gratitude. Always be willing to give somebody, hey, a thank you, for something they've done for you. Thankfulness not only blesses others because you're recognizing them for what they've done, but it changes you. You say, how does it do that? It humbles you. You have to, in a sense, humble yourself and say, thank you, I needed that. You were the one that God used to supply that in my life. And it's good to be humbled sometimes. Uh, but when you say thank you, you're saying you're acknowledging that other person. You're acknowledging the help that they've given you. You know, in every situation, it says, in everything, give thanks. In every situation and trial, we're to give thanks. 
and as easy as that is to preach, it is very hard to do. Because the last thing we do when the trial comes is say, thank you for that, Lord. We don't do that. But we'll learn, we'll learn how good God is and that even if the, we may not mouth it out right away, we still understand, God, you're in control. And at some point, I'm going to be able to say thank you even for this, I guess. Whatever you allow into my life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And uh, why do I say that? Because every request that we impart to our Father, everything that we ask from Him should be done with thanksgiving. And even in John chapter 17, our Lord Jesus Christ said that He wanted to have the glory, Lord, I want to glorify You so that You can glorify me. He was asking that He would glorify Him how? Through the cross. So even looking ahead to the cross, Jesus is able to show us that we can say thank You. He was thanking His Father that He could glorify Him even if it meant going to the cross. So, it's the will of God that Christians be thankful. It's the will of God that we serve the Lord. And true service, real service that gets put down in the book of heaven is service that is done from the heart. We can go through the motions and we can consider it a job and, and, and we don't get the same kind of reward in heaven or we may get no reward in heaven for things that we've done unless it comes truly from our heart. And we see that what we're doing for the, in the church and with others is not just a job, it's a ministry. That we're serving the Lord. Turn to Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As you can see, I was just looking for verses with that little phrase, the will of God, and and these are the seven things I came up with. But it's the will of God that we serve the Lord. And in verse 5, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Now we would look at this as an employer and maybe an employee relationship. With fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. As unto Christ, you see. Not with eye service as men pleasers but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So it's about serving God, but it's about serving God with your heart. That's the will of God. That's what the Lord wants from us. When He marks it down in His book, it'll get marked down and it'll stay there because He's recording that deed, but He's looking at the motives behind our service. He's looking at why we do things, not what we're doing, but why we're doing them and how He gets glory through it. And we have to ask ourselves that. What is my motive for doing what I'm doing for the Lord? Am I doing it for Him? Why am I serving God? You have to remember that He's always watching. He's, we don't do things because someone else is watching us. We do things because He always has His eye on us. He's always watching what we do. And uh, he's, he's frankly going to help us to do what we need to do for His glory if we'll just trust Him and serve Him with our whole heart. You have to ask yourself, like I did earlier, why are you even here this morning? You know, some people go to church just to be seen. <laughs> some people just make a habit out of it or some kind of duty that they're doing. They just go to church to be seen in church. 
and they go for the wrong reasons. I hope you came because you wanted to fellowship and you wanted to sing and you wanted to worship and you wanted to draw close to God, maybe through the preaching, get some truth that you could take home with you. That's why we come to church. We come for Him. We don't come for ourselves. We don't come for others necessarily. First of all, we come for Him. We want to come and worship together. So I want you to look at another verse of Scripture. Acts chapter 13. There's a very interesting Scripture here about David. Acts chapter 13. And in verse 36. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. It says here, for David, I guess Paul talking, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. And it just jumped out at me the fact that David uh, did the will of God in his own generation. He served his own generation. And how by serving God, we can serve others. And how we can... God can use us to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever we do, it isn't just a job, it's a ministry to try to get the gospel out to people. Are you serving your generation? You're here this morning. Uh, what are you doing during the week? How are you serving the Lord during the week? How are you being a Christian during the week? How are you serving your generation? God knows your birth date. God knows when you were born. God knew who David was and He used him greatly. But God also knew Jeremiah. And didn't He say, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and I had a purpose for your life? That means God has a purpose for each one of our lives. Are we allowing God to, to, to fulfill that will in our lives? Are we serving our generation? You know, David was a shepherd boy. He was a king. He was a soldier. He was a leader. He was a friend to Jonathan. He was a father and he was a husband and a lover of God. God used David greatly in his generation. What has God asked you to do? What does God want you to do as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, God knows where He's put you. God knows that, it, Gavin, you're out there in McCroom. There isn't many believers in McCroom. It's one, of the, it's one of the most rural Catholic towns there is in West Cork. But God knew He was going to put Gavin there. And there's another family out there that are believers. And Pastor Craig, you're here in Balancholic, not by accident. God put you here to serve your generation. So there's others out here too that God knows what He wants to do with your life. God has a purpose for your life. Are you serving your generation? Do the will of God from the heart, the Bible says. True servants obey and serve the Lord from their heart. So it's the will of God that we serve. It's the will of God also to know your place. To know your place. I guess, it's, I guess what I'm saying is don't try to be or do something that God hasn't called you to be or do. But when God has called you to do it, don't go farther or don't back off. Just do what God has placed in your heart to do. Just know your place. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We won't look at all these, but turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Look, through the will of God. 
and Sosthenes, our brother. So Paul knew that he was an apostle. Paul knew that he was called of God. It was the will of God that he be an apostle. 2 Corinthians, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're not going to look out at all of them, just these two here. But they all say basically the same thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by his own will? No, by the will of God. He knew that he was an apostle. And Timothy, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. So he knew, one thing Paul knew, was that he was called to be an apostle. And he never shrunk back from that. He knew his place. You know, back in 1 Corinthians, just back uh, to the left a few pages, 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul said, For I am the least of the apostles, and then I'm not meant to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He couldn't understand why, but he knew that he was an apostle. He couldn't put his finger on it after all he'd done in his life, but God called him to be an apostle, and he fulfilled that role, because in verse 10 he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by the grace of God, we are what we are. And God can use us, no matter how little we think of ourselves, no matter how much you may have done in your life before you got saved, God wants to use you. And it's by His grace that you'll be able to be used. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Too many times we may not do what God's called us to do, and then we're, we're making all his, his calling and His equipping and His help all in vain because we're not being what He wants us to be. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So Paul knew he was called to be an apostle. You know, Paul constantly had to defend himself. Paul constantly had to defend his authority. And on many occasions... Uh, false teachers would come and Paul would have to defend himself as an apostle. Churches that he planted, he would catch flack from people. But he, never, he was never moved from what he was supposed to do. He was never ashamed of what God had done in his life. Turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. What has God called you to do? Are you doing it? Because if you are, then the Bible says, as a bird that wandereth, Proverbs 27, verse 8, as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Once you know what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to be, just, just stay there. And stay under the authority that God has put there. There's safety there. When a bird leaves the nest, there's all kind of traps and snares out there that might catch that bird in a net or whatever. If he stays in his nest, he's okay. If God's called you to do something, do it. But if you're doubting that call, stay. Stay put. Because you don't want to be the bird that wanders from the nest and comes out from under the authority where God has placed you for safety and you wind up getting hurt and hurting other people. Be what God calls you to be. I'm not saying don't do what God's calling you to do, but God will confirm that in your life. And He never fails in His work. He'll do what He says He's going to do. And be content where you're at. Be content where you're at. You know, there used to be a, 
a commercial on television. I might be dating myself because it might be 50 years ago. But, but it, it said, it was an advertisement about milk, and it said, milk from contented cows. Does anybody remember that? You have to be 150 years old to remember that? Milk from contented cows. Come on, brother, you're close. <laughs> you don't remember that. Anyway, you know, it's scientifically proven that cows that are in le under less stress give better milk. Well, you know the same thing with Christians. Not that you're given milk. But you will serve when you're just content where you are. And you just say, look, I just want to serve the Lord. I know what this is God's called me to do, and I'm just going to keep doing it. And, and I like what I'm doing, and I'm serving the Lord. I'm happy, I'm satisfied, I'm content. And um, you'll make a better servant if you'll just be content where with God has you. So, the next thing is to give. Number five is give. It's the will of God that we give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know who said that? Jesus said it. In Acts 20, 35, Paul said, Hath not the Lord said it is more blessed to give than to receive? Now, you can't find it where he said it, but Paul said he said it, so he said it. Whenever he said it. Maybe you guys know where, where, where the Lord said it. I couldn't find it, but Paul said he said it, so he said it. That it's more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, uh, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure you meet, it shall be meted unto you again. I'm telling you, some people got a handle on this. They understand that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Some of us are still learning. But if you don't believe that, if you can't understand this truth, then you're not a giver. You just don't understand how much more blessed it is to give of yourself and give whatever God asks you to give than to receive it. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse Paul is taking up an offering at the churches of Macedonia who gave liberally and full of joy, but they were poverty-stricken. But they wanted Paul to get their offering and take it down to minister to the saints. And in verse 4 it says, Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And then in verse 5 it says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. By the will of God. You want to give something precious to somebody? Give yourself to Jesus Christ. Give yourself to God and let Him have all of you. Let Him have complete and total, uh, be in complete, total submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because once you do that, giving anything else won't be a problem whatsoever. Whether it's money or time or talent or kindness or love or whatever you, whatever God asks you to do, it'll be, it'll be no problem. Because You've first given yourself to the Lord. That's what, these, that's what these people did in the churches there in Macedonia. If you don't, you'll never know the blessing from God if you never give yourself totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. If He doesn't have your heart, you'll never know what it means to have that blessing that you can give to somebody and be blessed more than the, than the, uh, than the person that's getting it. Turn to Galatians chapter 1, just to the one book to the right. 
Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. I love to have the example of Jesus all the time. And um, He's our great example. And He gave Himself by the will of God. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Who gave Himself... Let's read verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So Jesus gave Himself to be delivered on the cross for us. And He did that willingly. And uh, He gave Himself that we might be delivered from all the filth and the sin of this world. Jesus gave His life. Jesus gave His life. And, and, and that is a very high bar, isn't it? But you know, it's still reachable for each believer if they'll give their life first to Jesus Christ. Then no matter what He asks, it'll never be too high. It'll never be too far. It'll always be reachable. Give yourself wholly and completely to Jesus Christ. You say, you're saying, you're repeating yourself. It's because we don't do that. We get so far. In my own life, I've seen it. 99%, but there's something you hold on to. There's something we hold back from, from God. And we just don't fully give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't hold back anything. You know, the story goes of a, of a little boy who had a, a bag of marbles. They were his favorite marbles. And uh, he took them out one day and he met his neighbor while he was out, a little girl. And he had a big bag of marbles and she had a big bag of candy. And uh, the girl said, if you give me all your marbles, I'll give you all my candy. And he thought about that. He says, he says uh, we'll see you tomorrow. So he went home and he thought about that. And when he got home, he took that big bag of marbles out and he looked at it. And he took out his favorite marbles. And he put it in the drawer and hid them. Well, the next day when he went out, he met the little girl again. And uh, he said, it's a deal. And they exchanged their bags. Well, that night the little girl slept soundly. She slept like, like a rock, man. But the little boy was wide awake all night and he was troubled. You know why? He was thinking, I wonder if she gave me all that candy. You see, just because you don't give everything to God, don't expect God will give you everything. We need to give all of our marbles to God. Give them the whole bag. Even your favorite ones, eh, Leo? Even your favorite marbles. Give them all to God because He's going to give you all. He's going to give you everything. Give completely. Give yourself to God and it'll be easy to give the other things that He requires. So, two more. It's the will of God that we pray. Turn to Romans chapter 8. It's the will of God that we pray. You know, when we talk to God, we can have strength, guidance, help. God is so good to us when we pray. He's right there with us. I want to start in verse 26. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us which, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. 
according to the will of God. It's the will of God that we pray. It's the will of God that we intercede for others. You know, there's a lot of people praying for you. And we should be praying for other people. We should make it a, make it a point every day that we're praying for others, that we're interceding for others. It's a blessing to know that the Spirit prays for us and prays with us when I don't know how to pray. Has anybody ever gotten down by their bed and, and bowed their head and had no idea what to say? You just babble and, and wonder, what, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say to the Lord. I, I'm so overwhelmed or I'm so distraught. God's praying for you. The Holy Spirit is taking that garbled message in your heart and He's wrapping it up perfectly and He gives it to the one who searches the heart, God. So God is, is praying to God on my behalf. Well, praise the Lord for that because I don't always know how to pray. We're weak. We don't understand the situation completely. We can never enter in where, completely where someone else is in their life, but we can pray as best we can and the Holy Spirit takes that prayer and packages it up perfectly. We can pray for others according to the will of God because we have a comforter and a helper in the Holy Spirit. But it's the will of God that we do that, you see. It's the will of God that we pray. Look at Colossians chapter 4, please. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 and in verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So there's a man that was praying for the church there to be in the will of God, to do the will of God. He was interceding. In fact, it says he was laboring fervently in prayer for them. So, we need to be praying for others. People are praying for us. Praying for their walk with God. Praying for their maturity. Praying for them to, to be content in their ministry. and to, Just praying for them. To put, God would put a hedge of protection around them. And like I said, if others are praying for us, shouldn't we be praying for everybody else? When God brings somebody to our mind, shouldn't we, shouldn't we take time and pray for them that they mature and grow as Christians? Colossians 4.2, right there in, in verse 2, says continue in prayer. So the Bible's telling us to be persistent. Don't stop. Don't quit. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Continue in prayer. There's never a bad time to pray. There's never a bad time to pray. Obviously, uh, you can pray. I pray all the time when I'm driving. With my eyes open, obviously. So don't bow your head and get all spiritual. Just keep looking down the road and, and talking to God. I've had my best talks with God sometimes, just riding down the road. So, you know there was a little boy who went with his family to Grandmom's house after the Sunday morning service, and they were going to have a meal over there. And when they got there, uh, all the family got around the table, and Grandma brought out all the food and served them. And the little boy started eating right away. He started wolfing that food down right away. And uh, the mother said, oh, Johnny, you're not supposed to do that. You know that we always pray at our house before we eat. He said, yeah, but we're not at our house. We're at Grandma's, and she knows how to cook. <laughs> you know what that little boy should have did, don't you? <laughs> Prayed. <laughs> Would have kept him out of trouble. And if you spend more time in prayer, and I spend more time in prayer, it'll keep us out of trouble, amen? So if others are praying for us, we ought to be praying for them. Sorry, I didn't put that up there. The last one is 
It's the will of God that you know the will of God. <laughs> Amen. It's the will of God that you know what He what He has personally for your life. You know, without a doubt, God will open doors. If you really want to serve God, He'll open the doors. And He'll shut the windows, the places He doesn't want you to go, and He'll open up where He wants you to go. If you really want that, He'll show it to you. Nobody's going to blame God that they didn't know how to serve Him. He will not hide His will from anyone who truly wants to know. Now turn with me to Romans 12 too. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. You all know this verse. You can probably quote it. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants, God wants you to know His will for your life. And you can do it. You can find out what that is. Because the key to knowing God's will for you is to know God's God's Word to you. It's just a matter of reading your Bible and obeying your Bible. If you want to know what God has for you, then first read what God says to you in the Word of God. Take action in your life to not be to the world. Stop letting the world conform you. Let the potter mold you. Let God mold your life. Don't be a friend of the world. Yield yourself to God. Be not conformed to this world. That's the reason many of us are not effective sometimes in our ministries. Or in our, you know, we're, we're not serving the Lord. It's because we're a friend of the world. It's because we're being conformed by the world. You're not going to want to do the, do the bidding of God if you're, if you're trying to do the bidding of the world. But once you get under the authority of God and He starts to mold and, and, and make your life, you, you'll be ready to receive His will. Don't be conformed to the world and renew your mind. Sounds too simple, doesn't it? I've read that before about a thousand times. But that's how we're going to know the will of God. It's right in the verse that we just walk with God and that we renew our minds so that we think differently. I want the mind of Christ in my life. I don't want to think the way I used to think. I want to think the way God wants me to think, the way the Bible tells me to think. I want to have the right thoughts. Change your thinking and your thoughts. Renew your mind. Get the Bible into your mind so that when you're making a decision, you're drawing down information from the Bible, the Word of God, to make your decisions. And be a Bible student. The Bible says we can prove things so we can be a student of the Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. There's not one Christian in here that shouldn't be a studying their Bible. That shouldn't be a student of the Bible. And if you want to, if you want to know the will of God, He'll show it to you right in His Word. In your daily walk with God, you will start to see the will of God personally for your life. He will do that. He'll show you His perfect will because the transformation takes place every day. You don't go from getting saved to going to the mission field. There's a lot of stuff going on in between that. As you grow and God works in your life or shows you what He wants you to do to serve Him. But it takes place, and it's often very quiet in our hearts. Each day, we feel more inclined to understand and know what God wants for our lives. 
Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered in the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God will direct our steps. It's up to us whether we really want to do the will of God. So the will of God. Can I just tell you first, before I tell you, just go over the points again, can I just tell you what is not God's will? It is not God's will that any should perish. It is not God's will that anybody would die and go to hell because they never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not the will of God that you go home today and God forbid you die. Your next breath will be in hell. God has no other choice. God has to judge sin. Now, He judged it at the cross. If you don't go to the cross, then you're going to have to go to hell and, and, and be condemned forever. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's, that's the will of God. Not that you go to hell if you're not sure you're saved. It's not the will of God for you to go to hell. That's why He hung on the cross and died. You have to put your faith in that He died on that cross, He was buried in a tomb, and He bodily rose again. Amen? And He's alive today to offer you eternal life. But for the Christian here today, the will of God is that you stay clean. Stay clean. There are things that we need to run from. Now, I just showed you one, flee fornication, but this vessel is not mine anymore and as banged up and as bruised as it is, he just said, would you keep it clean so I can keep using you, Dan? All right, well, I'm going to do my best. Run away from sin and guard your heart and what goes into your mind. Be thankful. Saying thank you is always a good place to start doing the will of God. Just be a thankful person for what God's done for you. Serve Him every day. That you do not serve God, you're not in the will of God. You don't have to do some big major thing. You just have to be a Christian that day. Be light. Be salt. Just go to work and feed your family. You're being a good Christian. You're in the will of God. You ought to know your place. Just be what God wants you to be. You don't have to be any more. You don't have to be any less. And what God equips you to do. Know your place. It's the will of God that you give. Giving starts and frankly, ends in the heart. It's not from you just reaching into your pocketbook. God says, when God talks in Luke 6.38, He's talking about mercy and kindness and love. That's, that's really what He's talking about, not just money. Giving starts and ends in the hearts, and we have to first give ourselves if we're going to give anything to God and, and help people. And then Prayer. Pray. Every time we bow the knee, we do the will of God, and we can do it on the grandest of scales, can't we? We can pray for people on the other side of the world. We can watch God answer our prayers for people who are sick and, uh, and watch God enter in and do something, and we had a part in that. If you don't pray, you won't ever feel the blessing. You won't ever know the blessing of launching a prayer out there to God's throne on behalf of someone else. And number seven, God's will. It's God's will that you know His personal will for you. God does want to reveal His will for you probably more than you want to know it. 
You know, many a person's been called into the ministry and cried like a baby as soon as they found out that God wanted them to do that because they realized how, how far we are from, from thinking we can attain that kind, of a, a, that kind of a service and being told, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And you say, wow, Lord, not me, I can't do that. But God wants to show you His personal will. He's not hiding it. All you need to do is look for it, search for it, and it'll be right in your Bible that's on your lap there. So let me just say, as we close the Bible today, it's God's will that you be saved today. I don't know who you are that might be here that's not saved, but it's God's will today that you be saved. If you leave here unsaved, at least we can say that we've tried to tell you that if you're not saved, you're going to burn in hell. And I don't think that's a nice thing to tell anybody, but it's the truth. And, and, and people don't like the truth anymore, but that's the truth. I, I could not tell you, but then I'll have to answer to God. So God's will is that you be saved today, and all it takes is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and our hearts before God. Please don't leave here today if you're not saved. I know you may not understand it all, you may be saying, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Being even, What does it mean to be saved? Well, you can find out and you can leave here assured that you're going to heaven. So I'm just going to ask one time with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone here that is not sure that they're going to heaven? You've never heard this before, but you would like to know more about being saved. You would like to know what it means to be saved. Could you just raise your hand, just real quick, raise it and put it down. Okay, there's one. There's a hand right there. Anybody else? You're not sure. But look, Christian, I've really been praying to Christian, I mean, uh, preaching to Christians about the will of God. I hope God has imparted something to you. <laughs> we can stumble over our messages sometimes, but the Holy Spirit takes it and implants that truth in your heart, you have to answer to God now. Am I doing the will of God? Or, or possibly, am I here and I'm not really saved? One person raised their hand, and I pray that they take the time to talk to the pastor today and go home saved. Father, if you would do anything today in our hearts, would you save that one that had the courage to raise their hand? And for every Christian here, that um, really truly wants to serve God. I didn't ask for a show of hands, but I pray that they would do it. They would do what they've told you they've gone to do, they were going to do before, that they may even vowed and didn't pay their vow, may they pay it now. May they give themselves totally to you, complete submission to whatever you want them to do. And God, thank you so much for a book that's perfect and uh, the truth. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd bless the invitation now in Jesus' name. Amen.